Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, lots to get to here. I'll tell you what, I want to start with this very quickly. Of course, welcome back as usual. I want to mention this. I, uh, I included in the last war video, the last 24 minutes, it's a presentation given by a woman by the name of Maria Zach. And she is providing sworn testimony to what I believe is the, let's see, the Kansas Senate, if I'm not mistaken, one of the senatorial committees uh, within the Kansas government. And she's specifically talking about the 2020 U.S. presidential election and how it was stolen. She, I believe, is a part of an organization called Truth Justice. And she specifically, again, talks about the Leonardo voting system or the information capture system. I'm not getting that 100% right, but she dives into it more specifically. And then she dives into the simple fact that not only was the 2020 election stolen in America, but it was stolen via other countries and participants in IT departments of other countries, and this was all done and coordinated, and the votes were moved around and manipulated, and then sent back to the United States and just believed. It really is a remarkable story. I have no reason to doubt it. And I think that the revealing part, too, is if you watch this, it's not only her that knows this, of course. Our own government has to know this. There have to be excellent people behind the scenes within our own government who know that this was the case and caught these people red-handed. There's no doubt about it. So I think it's only a matter of time again before more of this information continues to come out. It's undeniable that 2020 was stolen. It's undeniable that voter fraud continues to exist. But again, I recommend going back and watching the last war video and, uh, and and checking that out, certainly checking out the last 24 minutes where you can see her full presentation, or at least the vast majority of it, it really is remarkable. I mean, again, the number of people who have been killed as a result of revealing this information and trying to reveal this information and expose this information is astronomical. It certainly has to be, and she brings up very specific cases. But either way, that's in the last 24 minutes of the last war video on BitChute and Rumble on my Rumble channel and BitChute channel there. So give that a listen if you are interested. Okay. And of course, she has some diagrams and a PowerPoint presentation that she goes through also, but there you go. Now again, speaking of voter fraud and voter shenanigans, I want to mention this too. Tate Prowse texted me, and of course, he's been a guest on the show. He was the one who sued city council, the chief of police, and a, a few other people, if memory serves. And, uh, and and he basically said, hey, look, you know, you're 100% right that the loitering that takes place at these polling stations is completely illegal, that the individuals who do it shouldn't be there, and they're, they're not allowed to do it, of course, and they should be arrested. He then told me that he did call the police on a, a, apparently at least one individual, if not more than that, who were actually, again, doing this during election day at the polling station. And uh, because, again, you know, th th they're always there. I mean, they're just always there and they have these little bookmarks and they ask you, of course, if you need help voting or do you need help on who to vote for and all of this other stuff. Again, they're not supposed to be there. And unfortunately, as he called the police, apparently the police showed up, shooed them away. And then they ended up just coming back later on in the day because, of course, they work in teams. And they call each other and they said, hey, I got shooed away from the police. Now you go and do it. 
So here's what he sent me. He sent me the Ohio Laws and Administrative Rules, and this is section 3501.35 here in the state of Ohio. And it's titled, No Loitering or Congregating Near Polling Places. Now here's what I recommend. A couple of things, actually. In fact, I'm going to do this next election, next election season, a year from now. I recommend getting on your state legislative service commission website, where again, you can type in your state codes. And you type in the search box, the keyword search, type in no loitering or congregating near polling places and see what pops up. But I'm going to read this particular section for the state of Ohio. I recommend people take screenshots of it when you look it up. And then again, show up to the polling places and after you vote, stand outside in the parking lot. And if you see people again doing what they're doing, loitering and saying, hey, do you need help? Or, you know, do you need information on issue this or issue that or who to vote for or whatever? Walk right up to them, tell them they're breaking the law, and then dial 911. Again, I'll do this a year from now. Now that I have the code in my hand and I know exactly what to reference here, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely participate in that, and I'll stick around to make sure that nobody else shows up after them. But again, we, we have to do our best to hold these people accountable. The only problem is, is are police going to enforce it? That continues to be the massive issue here. What what keeps police from just saying, hey, look, I've got better things to do. I don't want to do this today. You know, just let them do what they're doing. They're not hurting anybody, whatever else. Well, it's ironic because at the very bottom of this, under Section D, it says, the precinct election officials and the police officer shall strictly enforce the observance of this section. So even the precinct people inside the building itself are supposed to keep these people off of the property. doesn't matter if they're in the parking lot, in the yard, standing in the grass next to a tree. It doesn't matter. Again, you can have the signs in the driveway that everybody sees when they pull into a polling place sitting there and, and doing what they're doing, but you can't have people doing it. There's a difference between a sign on a day and then, of course, a group of individuals or a singular individual. But again, this is section 5301.35, no loitering or congregating near polling places. And again, this is the Ohio Laws and Administrative Rules, which is codes.ohio.gov. It says the following under section A here. It says, during an election, in the counting of the ballots, no person shall do any of the following. Loitering, congregate, or engage in any kind of election campaigning within the area between the polling place and the small flags of the United States placed on the thoroughfares and walkways leading to the polling place. And if the line of electors waiting to vote extends beyond those small flags within 10 feet of any elector in that line. Well, that's interesting too, because again, they their defense might be, you know, I'm far enough away from the building to where I'm allowed to do it. The problem is, is they're always in the parking lot and they're always hounding people as soon as you get out of your automobile, because again, they think you have shit for brains. And they think that when you go in to vote, you don't know who you're voting for. It's rather insulting, but anyway, it continues. It says, in any manner, hinder or delay an elector in reaching or leaving the place fixed for casting the elector's ballot. It says, three, give tender or exhibit any ballot, give tender rather, or exhibit any ballot or ticket to any person other than the elector's own ballot 
to the precinct election officials within the area between the polling place and the small flags of the United States placed on the thoroughfares and walkways leading to the polling place. And if the line of electors waiting to vote extends beyond those small flags within 10 feet of any elector in that line. It then says exhibit any ticket or ballot which the elector intends to cast. It then says solicit or in any manner attempt to influence any elector in casting the elector's vote. Now see that right there is what they do all the time. Do you need help with issue one? It's like, no, I, I, I know I'm not voting for baby murder. Are you sure about that? That right there violates section five here. It then says B1, except as otherwise provided in division B2 of this section, the division C of section 3503.23 of the revised code, no person who is not an elected official, employee, observer, or police officer shall be allowed to enter the polling place during the election except for the purpose of voting or assisting another person to vote, as prohibited in sections 3505.24 of the revised code. Again, I've never seen that. I've never seen these individuals follow other individuals in and then, again, stand inside of the building and then encourage them who to vote for. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in other states or even in Ohio. I'm certain it does. It's just not something that I've ever seen when I voted. They're always, again, they're out in the parking lot. And as soon as you get out of your car, they're immediately saying, hey, do you need some help? No, no, don't need any help. I'm literate. It then says here, uh, section two, notwithstanding any provision of this section to the contrary, a journalist shall be allowed reasonable access to a polling place during an election. As used in this division, journalist, quote-unquote, has the same meaning in, I'm sorry, as in Division B2 of Section 2923.129 of the Revised Code. That's interesting, too. Again, would an individual who's handing out polling information on who to vote for, which typically is all on one political party and not another, would they simply say, I'm a journalist, I'm allowed to be here? and use that as an excuse. I don't know. I'm sure they have before. But finally, it wraps up with two more sections. Section C, it says, No more electors shall be allowed to approach the voting shelves at any time than there are voting shelves provided. Okay? And then again, finally, with D, it says, The precinct election official and the police officer shall strictly enforce the observance of this section. I think the point here is ultimately it boils down to enforcement. Police officers are not lawyers. Police officers do not read Ohio laws and administrative rules. Again, they they are called on to enforce something, and frankly, it really does boil down to us knowing what these codes are and then actually following through on it. The problem is, are they going to enforce it? Are they going to shoo these people away again, only to have them come back later? Probably. Again, they work in teams. These individuals show up, they work in teams, they know exactly what they're doing. There are numerous individuals who are doing this, and unfortunately, where I live, and it can't be the only place, but you'll even have individuals who are on the ballots as potential elected officials doing the exact same thing in the parking lot. They too will be loitering and congregating and trying to engage in election campaigning outside of the actual building. They can't do that either. So, 
a year from now, again, when we do this all over again and we all try to vote harder, uh, I'm definitely going to call the cops on these people. I'm just going to park out in the parking lot, just sit in my car, and just keep dialing 911 and see what happens. Again, when they go away, if another one shows up, you dial it again. It's exhausting, but again, it's the people working inside the building who are supposed to make sure that the parking lot is empty of these kinds of people. Unfortunately, they're all in it together and they'll say things like, well, they're not harming anybody. It's okay. And they always downplay the fact that they're breaking the law. So there you go. Just wanted to bring that to your attention. Again, look up no loitering or congregating near polling places and use those keywords in the keyword search box under your state codes and see what pops up. Take screenshots of it and then that way you've at least got it on your phone. And you can share that with uh, any nitwit who shows up who claims that they're going to enforce things when possibly they won't. But time will tell. All right. Education-related things. I've got three big ones here. And this really is important, and I think it's rather fantastic, to be honest. A couple of these stories were thrown to me by listeners of the show. Thank you for throwing these my way. You know who you are. This first one is from pjmedia.com. It is titled, The Rapidly Declining ROI of a Four-Year Degree. It says the following here. In a wake-up call for higher education, an October survey found that small businesses are increasingly dissatisfied with a pool of college graduates, and many are no longer interested in hiring new grads with a four-year degree. The Freedom Economy Index, FEI, a joint project of Public Square and RedBalloon.Work found employers have issues with the work ethic college students display as well as the quality of their preparation for the workforce. Quote, the free market lacks confidence in, in a higher education system that has shifted its focus from academics to woke subjects like DEI. This is an eye-opener for high school grads considering a four-year degree and student loan debt, observed Andrew, no way I get that last name, Red Balloon's CEO. Uh, it says, when asked if colleges and universities are graduating students with the relevant skills required by the business community, 67% of, business, of small business owners rather responded with a resounding strongly no. When asked if they were more or less likely to consider a job seeking from a seeker rather from a major college or university, 41% said it makes them less likely to hire the candidate. Another 42% said it made no difference. Only 10% preferred candidates with a degree, suggesting a shift away from the traditional value of higher education. Most of the value of higher education for employers was twofold in the past. The university used, used to screen for intellectual ability as a precondition of admission. Completing a degree also demonstrated a candidate's ability to follow through on a commitment and meet expectations. Lowering the bar for admissions and grade inflation took away the two key benefits employers could count on when hiring a college graduate. Now when given a choice between a candidate who completed a four-year degree and someone who doesn't have a degree but has four years of industry experience, 86% of employers per prefer rather the job seeker with industry experience. No kidding. No kidding. 
It then says, as many observers warned, the safe space culture on many campuses has eroded the problem-solving skills of university students. Employers are noticing. 89% of respondents said Americans, America's college campuses no longer foster the debate and critical thinking needed to solve problems. It says, quote, at this point, I'll take one, a new hire, with talent and imagination who didn't, who didn't look at their phone in the last 20 minutes, said one employer. When asked if college graduates are ready for a job in the marketplace, another employer said, absolutely not. What a waste. And then they said, and I am a former college graduate, unquote. The Red Balloon CEO said the higher education system has worked itself out of a job. By losing focus on the mission of preparing their students for their career, they've become a non-factor or even a negative factor in helping job seekers find a job, unquote. As one employer predicted the talent shortage would only worsen given the quality of workers, colleges, and high schools are turning out. Yes. It says the FEI is becoming part of America's economic research landscape because it accurately predicts trends. In September, business owners said that they expected a soft Christmas season. Several retail reporting firms are mirroring that call. Small business owners in the FEI, are preparing for a rough road in the months ahead and almost 70% plan to make no hires. That includes replacing vacant positions. It says, in a world hampered by Bidenomics, parents and high school students may want to look for less expensive ways than a four-year degree to prepare for a career. Glenn Reynolds, fondly known as Instapundent around here, warned of the higher education bubble in 2012. Even then, tuition increases were far outpacing education. Perhaps now that an increasing number of employers see no value in a college degree, that bubble will finally pop, unquote. It's already popped. It already has. And I have to give you an example here, and again, it stretches into the Middle East stuff. New York University is an absolute abomination. And frankly, all of these universities that are cracking down on free speech, I mean, think about that by itself. That right there is absolutely outrageous. That if you have two groups which exist on New York University, which have now been eliminated by the university, one of them is a pro-Palestinian student group, and another one is something like Jews for Peace or Jews for Ceasefire. It's one of these, again, nonviolent, calling for, calling for a ceasefire kind of groups. The universities eliminated both, and they've eliminated both because they claim that they're breaking the rules of the university by, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, I don't have the specifics. They're, they're either marching when they shouldn't, or they're, uh, you know, they've got bullhorns and yelling things when they shouldn't, but, but it doesn't matter. None of that matters. The fact is, is that these universities are consistently engaging in a complete erosion and destruction of our constitutional God-given rights. They're doing it all of the time. Again, the document that I brought up last week regarding a congressional hearing on the weaponization of the government and the universities when it came to individuals questioning the fraudulent election and questioning the quote-unquote vaccine policies that right there should tell everybody that these universities are the enemy of the people. 
You know, I mentioned this a long time ago, but I'm going to bring this up one more time. There was a CIA agent by the name of Kevin Shipp, and anybody can go and, and look up one of his lectures. It's, I think, at least an hour long. It's very well done. And what he ends up doing in this PowerPoint presentation and in, in this giant lecture hall where he's giving this presentation is he's openly talking about the different agencies within the government, how corrupt each one of them individually is. He brings up a number of different businesses, of course, and how these businesses are directly tied to the CIA. And then he reaches a point in his Venn diagram, which is remarkably huge on the screen. But one of the giant bubbles on the Venn diagram when it comes to CIA infiltration is the American K-12 public, private, and charter and university education system. And he, he stops in his presentation and he looks at that and he openly says, I could give days-long presentations and its own presentation in itself on the CIA infiltration of the education system, how successful they have been, how pervasive it is, and how entrenched they are within all of these institutions. This is a fact. The CIA is directly involved with all of these institutions. It doesn't matter, again, how small they might be. Now, I'm not saying that a CIA employee works within every single school district. That would probably be impossible. However, school districts associate with education associations, and you can be certain that those associations are run by the CIA. So we're talking about state-level superintendent associations, and I have no doubt that some superintendents are full-blown agents themselves. You have school board associations at the state levels, the individuals feeding them information and even working within those associations themselves are also CIA. You have the National Education Association, without a doubt. They're fed information from the CIA and even foreign intel. And then, of course, they disseminate that information in their messaging to make sure that everybody's on the same page. The, the easiest way for you to figure this out is the simple fact that they're all doing the same things all the time. They're always eroding free speech, constitutional rights. At the exact same time, they're, they're throwing forward a massive amount of destruction and distraction, specifically distraction, that really takes the individual away from actually learning and immersing themselves within a subject to where they can learn not just their subject matter, but all the other subjects that connect to it. You're not going to receive that in a brick-and-mortar university, and it's specifically designed that way to make sure that that doesn't happen. Because again, if you start to connect the dots, you'll realize that the CIA has been manipulating us our entire lives. Certainly, if we were born after the invention of the CIA, then the answer to that question is yes. But they have their fingers in all of this all of the time. The interesting part, as I've said before, and this is why I'm an advocate for online learning, is that in an online environment, you can pick it up, put it down, turn it on, turn it off. But you also have the ability to be in silence, hopefully, and you have the ability to immerse yourself in a subject to where you can start to connect these dots and figure, figure these things out and figure out the real world that we live in. But you're not going to find that in a brick-and-mortar university. 
which is exactly why the university environment and the college environment prides itself on all of the things that do not matter. Tradition, rituals, uh, routines, certain expectations that they have for their campuses that they think are different from others. It's, it's all of this, uh, you know, just free Masonic ritualistic nonsense. You know, the, the fraternities, the sororities, you got to be a part of clubs, you got to do this, you got to do that. You don't have to do any of that. And you shouldn't. You're not going to find a fraternity or a sorority, which is a purposeful distraction and a waste of time. You're not going to find any of that in an online environment. Because in the online environment, what are you going to find? You're going to find documentation. You're going to find documentaries. You're going to find real history, investigations, literature, endless information that is out there that is going to cause an individual to learn far more than what they would learn within one of these distracted environments. The simple act of walking from one class to another, or walking from, as I've said before, your place of living to a brick-and-mortar building to walk into a class with a backpack around your back filled with books and God knows what else, the time that you spend doing that is time that you could be spending actually learning the subject in itself in a wide variety of online platforms and endless websites, most of which, I might add, you can, you can obtain all of the literature for your classes absolutely free of cost, certainly at a less price. And I've been over all the reasons why college universities have gotten rid of books. They're getting rid of them not only because they weren't using them, but now they're just too expensive, so they think. Again, you can buy a used university textbook that a class might require on Amazon for pennies on the dollar. You might even find the whole thing for free in PDF. But again, if the, if the environment forces an individual to buy it, well, then you have to prove that you've bought it and all these other things. But fortunately, the, these environments aren't doing that. In an online environment, you have free access to endless amounts of documentation that will allow you to investigate a wide variety of issues. You can't do that in, an, in, in these brick-and-mortar environments. You just can't. Not to mention you're consistently sitting in a room listening to somebody talk about something for which they probably know nothing about. They're operating on feelings, and they're operating on what they saw on their television. It's a massive problem, and yeah, the university environments are completely obsolete. There's no doubt about it. But this right here is proving it. Again, the candle's burning at both ends. You have employers openly saying in this article here, that they don't like college graduates because they don't know how to speak the English language. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. They think that they get to just get paid for their feelings and operate on feelings. And well, as long as we all agree with each other and we're all friends, then I'll get hired. No. Again, it, it, this was one of the problems that I experienced when I was applying at, at, you know, at the university level. These individuals wanted me to be political ideologues in line with them, and then they wanted to be my friend said to myself, we're not friends. You're hiring me for a job. If you were hiring me to be your friend, I'd be a prostitute, but I'm not a prostitute. So again, it makes the entire environment and the people running it, yeah, it makes them obsolete, not to mention. They've gone along with the, the world's largest kill program that's killed more people with the COVID bioweapon than all wars combined. Funny how that's not getting shared around. It's amazing. 
absolutely amazing. But again, that was one example of the continued collapse that, that continues to occur here, and I absolutely love it. Here's another one. This was also sent to me on Gab. Thank you for sending this. This is from the website Kiloland.com. Capital News Bureau titled, South Dakota saw 94% jump in homeschool students. Perfect. Pierre, South Dakota. It says South Dakota saw one of the nation's highest percentages of increase in students who received their lessons in homeschool settings rather than public K-12 schools in recent years. Now, what's interesting about this is you listen to Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota, and she, of course, would tell you that South Dakota schools stayed open during the fake pandemic, that they all stayed open and they never closed down their schools, and she as a governor never closed down their schools. Well, there were schools that closed, I'm certain of it, because that was a local decision. But this right here, the jump in homeschooling, is always going to be a subject that politicians never bring up. They never bring it up. Why? Because the education lobby has these people by the spine and is whipping them around from side to side, trying to convince them that they can always reimagine the education landscape in the brick-and-mortar K-12 environment. No, it can't be reimagined anymore. It has to be destroyed. And the fastest way to destroy it is to stop participating. I love this. It says the following. It says, that's according to a new analysis by the Washington Post compared enrollment data from 2017 through 18 and through the 2022-23 school years. The Post was able to obtain numbers from 30 states and the District of Columbia. South Dakota's 94% increase during that period ranked third highest. District of Columbia was tops at 108%. (laughs) They're They're not telling anybody this. They're not telling anybody this. It also says followed by New York at 103%. Why is it that the District of Columbia, which is 50th in American education in rankings, saw a 108% increase in homeschooling? Is it because they all just went home just because they don't like school? Well, it's possible. It's also possible they don't like being lied to, jerked around with, being forced to wear a mask, and they're seeing all of the wasted time, and maybe they're waking up. It's possible. Again, New York, 103%. Why? Because jabbing your children is mandatory. When they reach a particular age, you have to take the Tdap shot. You don't, you don't have a choice. You can't opt out. Parents don't want any of this. It says rounding out the top six behind South Dakota were Rhode Island at 91%, California at 78%, and Tennessee at 77%. Ladies and gentlemen, this is amazing. This is fantastic. This is one of those balls that when you kick it down the hill, you can't get it back. You're not going to get it back. And it's a snowball. It's just going to get bigger and bigger with every passing day and every passing semester. It says, among South Dakota's neighbors, Wyoming saw a 47% increase, Montana a 45% increase, Minnesota a 39% increase, North Dakota a 38% increase, Nebraska 31% increase. It says Iowa's numbers were not available. South Dakota loosened its compulsory attendance laws 
in 2021 when the legislature passed substantial changes, which were backed by Governor Kristi Noem at the urging of homeschool supporters. Quote, when kids and their parents can choose the educational path that's best for them, kids flourish. That has happened here in South Dakota because of Governor Noem's courage to protect parental choice in education. We are looking forward to seeing the enrollment numbers for this year, unquote, said Julie Christian of Sioux Falls. She chairs Families for Alternative Instruction Rights in South Dakota. According to the South Dakota Department of Education, there were 4,696 students participating in alternative instruction during the 17-18 school year and 9,120 students in the 22-23 school year. Yeah, that's double practically. It's amazing. It says, for comparison, South Dakota's public school district report, districts rather reported uh, K-12 enrollments totaling 133,861 in the 17-18 school year and 138,075 in the 22-23 school year. It says non-public schools, including tribal and parochial schools, reported enrollments of 15,638 in the 17-18 school year and 15,068 in the 22-23 school year. Again, they're losing people by the hundreds, which is, which is fantastic. That, that has to happen. It has to keep happening. It continues here, and it says, Public schools in South Dakota receive state financial aid based on enrollment. Well, they all do. It says the legislature in 2016 established a Partners in Education Tax Credit Program, quote-unquote, to help publicly subsidize students at non-public schools. Governor Nome later appointed the legislation's prime sponsor, then-Senator Phyllis Heinemann, to the State Board of Education Standards. State Education Secretary Joe Graves provided his response to Keogh Land News about Post's findings. Governor Nome appointed Graves to her, ca- to her cabinet rather in January. He previously was superintendent for the Mitchell Public School District. Here's what he said. He's got a couple of quotes here. Quote, competition is good for all schools and all students. The Department of Education is interested in the academic success of all South Dakota kids, whether they attend public, private, tribal, BIE schools, or receive alternative instruction at home. Parents have the right and responsibility to see to it that their children are properly educated. Families that choose to provide homeschooling often do a wonderful job. Yes. Yes. The competition aspect, um, again, it's not about competition. It's not about who's better or who's worse. We already know. We already know which environment is better than the other, certainly for the vast majority of students. Like I said, there are students who are physically and mentally handicapped, and they need the side-by-side instruction and the side-by-side guidance that they might not receive in a home environment, in particular if there are two working parents or a single-parent family and that individual is working. I fully understand that that has to be the case, but for the vast majority, there is no competition. Homeschooling environments and freeing the mind of all of the distractions, games, gimmicks, and nonsense that these brick-and-mortar schools offer is the only way. 
It's the most successful, peaceful, and intensive way that these individuals are going to gain a factual knowledge of the world that we live in because they're not getting it. Again, one more little side note here. This right here should show everybody the power of the CIA. The CIA has taken this Prussian education system from Prussia and they've brought it over here a long time ago, this drill and kill mentality. But the problem now is, is you have, again, children who grew up in that brainwashing system, learning very little, as it turns out, and then they re-enter the education system as employees and as administrators to do what then? To deliver the exact same kinds of instruction to the next generation of youth that they received not knowing that it's not factually accurate. That right there is the power of brainwashing. It's generational. And they have no idea. As I've said before, if you want to ask somebody a series of questions to prove to them that they're brainwashed, they'll eventually look back at you. And you, of course, know that these individuals you're talking to are brainwashed, like school board members and administrators and many teachers and things of that nature. But eventually they'll look back at you and say, so what then? You're not brainwashed? You look back at them and you say, no, I used to be. I used to be. Because that's what an awake person says. An awake person would say, I used to be brainwashed. I used to think and believe what you still think and still believe. But I know that to not be true now. That's the answer. And that will shut them up immediately. But again, that's the power of the CIA. They have a grip over all of this. And so do, of course, all of the lobbies and the NGOs and even the people on the seeming right, the right wing of the political spectrum like the Heritage Foundation, which I'll get into here in just a second. They even are continuing to try to prop up the failing education system as much as they can by using certain word manipulation in order to make it sound like freedom of education is the best thing in the world, which it is, but what is their real definition of freedom in education? It still means maintaining the system as far as they're concerned, but I'll get into them a little bit later. This article wraps up and it says, Graves continued, he said, quote, the state's role is to provide the process for families and school districts to notify intent of alternative instruction and ensure students have access to textbooks or other materials that are selected by the local public school district should the homeschooling family choose to access them. That's the key. Choose to. Should they choose to. You don't need the local public school district to provide materials to a homeschooling family. That's why you're leaving in the first place. You're leaving because you don't want their materials. You're leaving because there are there's more important things to learn than what they're teaching in the K-12 schools. The only thing more obsolete than the building and the system itself are the materials that they use in the in the books and online curriculum that they have in, within these K-12 schools. That's equally as useless. But this final paragraph is where you get your COVID-19 excuse. It says, quote, there also came COVID-19 starting in 2020. It says, quote, another possible cause of the increase in the numbers of students in alternative instruction is the recent pandemic. Some parents began homeschooling 
out of dissatisfaction with measures related to the pandemic and even the perceived lack of sufficient measures to protect kids from the disease, Graves said. No, you're half right. They didn't like the measures that were being taken because they knew better and they knew it was bullshit. Most of them, of course, if they actually thought that the schools weren't keeping them safe, well, then those parents were lunatics. And they just took their kids out to only do more severe things with their children within their own home, by and large. Uh, It's just awful. It's constant CIA manipulation. It says, Graves said once they began homeschooling, some found they liked it. Due to new technologies, they found they were able to make it work for their children or that they appreciated greater family time they could enjoy with their children, unquote. Yes. Very good. He's 100% right. Yes. Why would you want to send your kids to a place where they're being talked to the way that they are, being manipulated the way that they are, and the people manipulating them are being manipulated by the CIA? Why would you want that? The only place that is really free of CIA indoctrination and control is is your home. That's assuming that you're not engaging in all of these CIA destructive habits that exist. Like again, having a television, watching cable news, sporting events, and all that other garbage. I mean, if you keep your children away from that, and of course the iPad and the constant scrolling, and frankly, the list is endless. But again, you can also teach your children about that level of control, and you can teach them how to use those particular weapons in their favor against the enemy. Teaching your children how to use the internet, where to go to find factual information. Should you use Google as a search engine, or should you find something else? Should you show both windows of Google searches and then other searches on another search engine, like, again, it could be Brave or Start page or Swiss cows or all the others that exist, and then show them a side by side comparison and say, Do you see the difference? Why are they different? Why are the definitions for these two words completely different on two separate search engines? One of them is lying to you, and one of them probably isn't. That right there is the level of instruction and a level of technological literacy that is not taking place. But again, it's a very good thing. The thing that is very good about this is that when parents pull their children out and children leave these environments, even when children themselves are the ones who take the initiative to introduce this to their own parents and say, I want out, here's the program that I want to use. When they do that, it's game on and they'll never go back. They'll just never go back. Now, here's one from the Heritage Foundation. I'm not a fan of the Heritage Foundation by any stretch of the imagination. These individuals, I've been over parts of a document before in the past, which I still have on my website. You can go and check it out. But it is an education document that, again, basically sets up every three-letter agency, including the Department of Education, if and when Donald Trump becomes the formal president, quote-unquote, again. Again, he's the commander-in-chief legally, and we know that. But if he retakes office at a former level, and, or, or even if someone else does, people have to understand that there's always these foundations, 
always these NGOs and these conservative quote-unquote think tanks that are always sitting there waiting to swoop in and say, we have documentation here that we think you need to read, and we basically have a whole playbook as to how you need to run things in the future. And again, who is behind the Heritage Foundation? It's not, it's not white Americans. I'll, I'll give you that hint. But there is this, and again, this comes on the back of the fact that it stated that the state of Arkansas is now number four in what they are calling the Education Freedom Report Card. So they have state rankings for parents based on education freedom. Again, if the Heritage Foundation is interested in maintaining the system, which they are, why would they be reporting on this, on what they call education freedom? Well, they're doing it because, again, they know that it's unavoidable. They know that they can't avoid and suppress the fact that you have 94-some-odd percent increases in homeschooling in South Dakota, which is number 21 in their Education Freedom Report Card. And they have a map on their website here where it goes through every single state. In fact, I put this map on my Gab page. And again, you can check it out over at the Heritage Foundation's website, which is heritage.org slash education report card. You hover your cursor over each individual state and it gives you a breakdown. Florida is number one, so they say, when it comes to their education freedom report card. I assume that the vast majority of this has to do with reducing restrictions on finding and engaging in educational choice even more specifically with where your tax dollars actually go. So let me read this brief printout here that sort of describes this a little more specifically. It says, quote, Americans are trying to put the pandemic behind them. There was no pandemic. But parents and students in K-12 schools are now seeing the effects of prolonged school closures. Student achievement has plummeted to historic lows. Meanwhile, Education special interest groups are doubling down on their plan to limit parents' influence of their children's education. This endeavor is a lingering reminder of the COVID-19 years, as it was during the period that parents began to uncover the radical agenda that special interest groups were executing in classrooms. They're 100% right. In fact, let me give you a very specific example. My brother sends his kids to, again, a school district in the Columbus area, which I've mentioned numerous times before. As it turns out, their entire busing system for their school district is so bad, and they have such a hard time finding bus drivers for their school district, that they have had early release days for all of their students at least 10 times this semester alone. Now, we know the reasons for that. The reasons are is that they broke state and federal law when they forced masks on school buses. I, of course, reminded them that over email, and a couple of days later, they got rid of that provision. Of course, they were breaking that law every single day, every single time a student or an employee was wearing a mask on a bus for over an entire year. But they finally did away with it. They've never admitted fault. You had numerous bus drivers who didn't want to wear a mask. You had probably numerous bus drivers who took the shots. And now, where are they? Where'd they all go? Abracadabra, they're all sick or they're all dead. 
and they can't figure out why they're having a hard time finding bus drivers. It's because of your abusive practices and the consequences of your abusive practices. This right here again is a glaring sign that you are living through the consequences of your own actions and inactions. And we're living through it, and it's glorious. It's absolutely glorious. It says Florida is number one. Let me hit the other ones here very quickly. Uh, Arizona is number two. Utah is number three. Not that these rankings really necessarily matter, but again, they're, they're breaking it down based on law and what the parents have to report to the state and what they don't have to report to the state and a bunch of other things. Arkansas is number four. Indiana is number five. Uh, let's see. Tennessee is number, I'm sorry, Mississippi is six. Tennessee is seven. Oklahoma is 10. Iowa is nine, if I didn't already say that. And there you go. The worst ones are New York at 48, Vermont at 46, Massachusetts at 47, Connecticut is 50, uh, New Jersey is 42, Minnesota is 45, Washington is 43, Oregon is 51, and Alaska is 41. So Oregon is the worst. California they have listed as number 26. And there you go. Ohio is 29. Uh, let's go here with the second paragraph. It says, education remains a top priority for millions of American families, and parents should be empowered to choose a safe and effective education for their children. In the continuing efforts to help every child to achieve the American dream, the Heritage Foundation, I'm sure, uh, has released the second edition of its Education Freedom Report Card to promote education freedom in each state. The report card measures four categories. Education choice, teacher freedom, transparency, and return on investment. That encompasses more than two dozen discrete factors. It says in 2023, in the 2023 edition of the Education Freedom Report Card, Florida remains the top-ranked state across the board. Florida lawmakers have once again expanded education freedom and promoted parents' rights while creating a laudable return on investment for taxpayers. Says the Heritage Foundation is also pleased to recognize the states that made the most significant gains since last year, beginning with Iowa. This year, state lawmakers adopted education savings account style options that are available for every child in the state, as well as a parent bill of rights. Both reforms empower parents to help their child succeed or children succeed. Says Arkansas also made remarkable improvements in the rankings, moving up from 13th to 4th place overall. Every parent in Arkansas is eligible to apply for the new education savings account that Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders signed into law. Says at the under, other end of the spectrum, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Oregon came in 49th, 50th, and 51st, respectively, doing little to provide transparency and choice for families. The Heritage Foundation Center for Education Policy continues to set high standards in the report card for achieving and maintaining education freedom in the states. Heritage's goal is that this annual ranking of states not only inform parents and policymakers of what their states do well and where they need improvement, but to ensure, to ensure changes rather that give all students the chance to succeed in school and in life, unquote. Again, 
I don't trust the Heritage Foundation from an organizational standpoint, but what I would say is, is that, and here's one of the reasons, they probably know full well that the system is collapsing and they want to try to be at the forefront of it as much as they can. Now, I'm all for any organization that is promoting the kinds of things that I promote, of course, on this show, which is not just education freedom, but leaving the system. If they do that, and if this helps in that process, then I'm all for it, and that's great. What I don't want is I don't want the Heritage Foundation to somehow swoop in and try to reinvent the wheel on the other end of the collapse. That would be a problem, in my humble opinion. Again, that's shooting way down the line here, but this we are living through the collapse. I don't have a timeline on it. I could, uh, you know, I, I could predict particular dates, I suppose. I don't know how effective that would be. I just know that you have more states that are doubling down, becoming more free, so to speak, when it comes to allowing individuals to do what they do, want to do with their children from an education standpoint, regardless of government intervention and without government intervention. And that's really the only way forward. So there you go. Just wanted to bring that to your attention. This is a thing. Again, it's another ranking system, but at least it's a ranking system that would hopefully encourage parents to uh, get their kids out. That would be a great thing. Now, I wanted to mention this, and this is on an unrelated note, although it has to do with California and Joe Biden. I got this text from AJ the other day, who lives out there in Palo Alto, and he said the following here. He said, from a friend who lives in San Francisco. If you're unaware, apparently Joe Biden and uh, Xi Jinping are meeting out there because, let's face it, China owns California. But uh, he said that his friend said the following, quote, Biden is coming to my neighborhood for a visit. He will sleep about two blocks from me in like a week. He said they're all over the neighborhood checking for bombs tonight. He said cops closing down streets, lots of PGE and city overtime new wall being built. He said that the si the sidewalks look almost clean again. They're trying to overcome 40 years of degradation in one month of effort. It's fascinating to watch. You can tell it's all phony and superficial, but it wouldn't be bad if there was a little more cleaning up like this once in a while. They said yesterday I asked too many questions and a cop definitely snapped a photo of me with his body cam. He squared up to me real weird. Then I realized why. I texted back to AG. I said, yeah, this is the Civil War. I said, cops doing what they're told and working for the enemy machine instead of the people, us versus them, disgusting. He said he agreed. He said the cops even chased off the homeless around where Biden was going to be staying, and they haven't done that to the homeless in decades. And then I ended up finding this article in the San Francisco Chronicle, and it was titled, They Just Said We Had to Go. San Francisco clears homeless hotspots ahead of APEC. And then he sent me this, and this is from AEPC, which apparently is this uh, Asia-Pacific Economic Corporation. It says, San Francisco is proud to host the 2023 Asia-Pacific Economic Corporation, APEC Leaders Summit, November 11th through the 17th of this year. It says there will be many opportunities to engage in the vibrancy of San Francisco throughout the week. Yes, vibrant is what comes to mind when I think of San Francisco. 
He says, while we have made every effort to minimize disruptions to deaf and disabled community members and maintain citywide accessibility during this time, traffic and transit disruption, closed streets, and increased First Amendment activities are expected. Increased First Amendment activity. Yeah. And that's exactly what AJ said. He said, what a stupid thing to write. Increased First Amendment activities. That means what? Protesting? Uh, Let's see. He also said this. He said, from a friend who lives in San Francisco, Xi is coming to San Francisco too. I neglected to mention that part. Uh, That's the part I think more people find to be significant. Funny that some goof from Beijing is the more important participant in the event. My neighborhood has been turned into a security perimeter. Yeah, no doubt about it. Absolutely ridiculous. And again, they could clean up these neighborhoods and these cities in an instant if they used local police, local law enforcement, and even the National Guard. The homeless could be scooped up. They could be taken to a particular place where they're food, you know, given food and, and bathed and potential drug treatment and whatever else. And then again, you wouldn't have people defecating in the streets, but who knows? The government certainly loves the chaos, and they apparently have no problem cleaning it up in the blink of an eye. Isn't that interesting? It really is an illusion. And it's the chaos that we see that's the actual illusion. They could take care of this instantly, but they don't. Okay, jab-related stuff. I've got a great deal here, lots of stories to tell, too. Uh, first of all, my dad mentioned this, this to me, rather interesting. You've heard me mention again that you can hear the meat wagon in my town on a semi-regular basis. Uh, it's certainly every week, if not every day or every other day. But he apparently walked up to some firefighters at the old ambulance firefighter station there. And he simply asked them whether or not they were running the ambulance more frequently. And they all looked at him and they said, yes, all the time. My dad looked at him and said, so why is that? And apparently they're not allowed to say. They said something like, well, you got to get a hold of city council and ask them, but we're not allowed to tell you. Well, we know why. We know why. All these ambulances in all these towns and cities have been running at a frantic pace because, again, these communities are jabbed to the bone. Again, it's got to be heart attacks, strokes, pulmonary embolisms, a thousand other things, all related to the shots. So that's a constant ongoing thing right there. This also happened last week. This was out of the UK and it was being reported lots of different places, but it's titled AstraZeneca in UK High Court Battle as Case Labels COVID-19 Vaccine Defective, quote-unquote. No kidding. The subtitle is, A landmark multi-million dollar legal case leveled at AstraZeneca has claimed that the company's COVID-19 vaccine administered in millions of people was defective. Yes, it certainly was. Says the landmark high court case was initiated by UK father Jamie Scott, who suffered a permanent brain injury from a blood clot after receiving the vaccine on April 2021. Another claim has been brought by the widower of Alpha Taylor, who died after developing blood clots on her brain post-vaccination. The 35-year-old mother said that she had chosen to get the jab to, quote, protect her family. Says the legal action could lead to as many as 80 damages claims, totaling 80 million. 
or 80 million quid, which is $153 million. Over vaccine-induced immunothrombocytopenia and thrombosis, VITT, a condition identified after the worldwide vaccine rollout. Well, that's just one of many endless 395 some odd pages of intentional side effects. Again, if they're just suing over one of these intentional side effects, I mean, who else can sue because of the other ones? You'd think just about anybody at this point. Here's another one regarding AstraZeneca. It says AstraZeneca study finds vector DNA in the sciatic nerve, bone marrow, liver, lungs, and spleen of vaccinated mice. It says because AstraZeneca's COVID-19 vaccine is not licensed in the United States, all documents within the FDA's possession concerning this vaccine are exempt from disclosure. This means that anyone who received an AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine cannot and might not ever be able to access any of the data concerning the vaccine from the U.S. government. Not satisfied by this complete lack of transparency, ICANN, through its attorneys, submitted an information request through the United Kingdom's FDA equivalent, the Medicines and Healthcare Products Registry Agency, MHRA, in April of 2022, seeking information relating to its authorization of AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine as well as that relating to its authorization of the Janssen, Moderna, and Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines. Again, this is one of those this is one of those things that's just continuing to get bigger and bigger and becoming more and more unavoidable. You had a soccer player the other day, again, drop dead right in the middle of the pitch during a game. Dead. Bang. Right then and there. Game stops. Everybody runs over. Chest compressions. Gone. We're seeing it more and more. It's happening more and more. Of course, it's not making the news. It isn't making ESPN, probably. They're not reporting on it. Nor would they, because let's face it, they force the jabs on their employees, too. And plenty of their employees quit because they didn't want to take the jabs. So, again, how's that working out for all of them? Here's another article very quickly I wanted to mention, too. This came from Natural News. It's titled, Truth Hurts, CDC Officials Worried About Publicity of COVID-19 Vaccine Studies Damaging the Public's Vaccine Confidence. No kidding. In fact, that reminds me of something. What's interesting is, is that the CDC itself has openly stated that there are more parents and families now reaching out for vaccine exemptions and that the CDC is receiving these reports of more and more vaccine exemptions than ever before in the history of anything. That's a good thing. That's fantastic. Now, this right here should tell you, why is it that the CDC even knows that? That's not good. Again, they're a private agency. They're funded by the government. They shouldn't be. They should be eliminated. All they've done is kill people. But they're also data harvesting. They know who has taken the shots. They know who haven't. And they also know who's asking for exemptions and who is not. I've said this before again, unless it's state law that they have to be jabbed, almost every single child who still attends a K-12 school can receive an exemption. You can receive one from your doctor. You can fill one out online. There are online doctors that fill out these exemptions, unless, of course, you live in a state where they don't accept any exemptions. 
but there's no K-12 student who still attends these indoctrination centers who, ne who needs to receive a shot. So I just kind of wanted to revisit that very quickly. It says, however, in this article, the CDC believes that journals and scientists who carry out the print research with negative findings about COVID-19 jabs are problematic and must be addressed, emails show. It says, in one incident, a public health analyst for the Immunization Services Division of the CDC, Colin Bernatsky, every single time, pointed to a scientific study carried out by, by scientists from the U.S. and abroad that reached an unfavorable finding about undergoing repeated COVID-19 vaccination. Said the study, which was peer-reviewed and published in the journal Vaccines, concluded that receiving multiple doses of mRNA COVID-19 vaccines resulted in higher levels of IgG4 antibodies and greater immune system vulnerability. Yes. Yes. And again, this entire article, it's rather long, but it basically boils down to everything that I've brought up on this show, how the U.S. government has been working hard to silence any critics of the vaccination whatsoever. And it's not just our government. It's the WHO. It's the WEF. It's all of them. And they publish those papers, too, which is fascinating. I've read the titles of them here on this show. It's remarkable. It's how to psychologically manipulate the public, how, how to increase vaccine uptake. You know, what do we need to do to convince more people that this is the thing to do? We have to make it more readily available, they'll, they'll say. That's, of course, code words for we have to get them jabbed no matter what, and we have to make this our constant policy to either attend, work here, go, you know, receive a paycheck, whatever it may be. But they're always looking to do that, and they're always publishing their data. They're always writing that all out. It's awful. But the larger point, of course, is that it's undeniable. It's undeniable. When the enemy is consistently telling us what they have planned and they're publishing these papers and you can find these with a level of ease on Substack that is uh, like nothing we've ever seen before, no one can deny it. No one can deny it. They can't say, well, they just got it wrong. Maybe they just got it wrong. Maybe the, you know, Maybe they just made a mistake. Like Steve Kirsch, for example, he's on Substack. How on earth can he say that this isn't a depopulation agenda and that this wasn't done on purpose when they write papers telling you that they want to do whatever they have to do to get you to take them. More coercive measures, again, more psychological manipulation. That's what that means. That's exactly what that is. And speaking of Substack, that actually leads me to this. There's a channel that is, or a site on Substack here that is titled interestofjustice.substack.com. And this past November, uh, let's see, it was 9th, on November 9th, rather, they had a live Costa Rica Nuremberg hearing. Now, again, we've had these quote-unquote Nuremberg hearings before, and nothing has really come out of it other than, of course, the sharing of vital information regarding what the shots are doing to people. And again, the levels of knowledge that these organizations clearly had. But this was titled, The Judge Was Extremely Concerned During the Zoom Call. But the court denied the precautionary measure today and told us we must file a full main case to stop the COVID non-vaccine experiments on humans. They said we had a decent case, but some issues were not, I'm sorry, were moot due to how long ago the case was filed and due to our imprecise wording 
when we filed boxing us in. They said they are sending us to redo it as a main case. They said we tried to get those damaged bioweapons off the market, but the precautionary measures to stop the experimental non-vaccines was heard today and not granted due to mere technicalities. So again, these Costa Rican lawyers apparently are attempting to sue to get these shots off the market totally. I don't know if that's just in Costa Rica or everywhere, but they're up against a giant machine here. And I I just don't understand how much more proof people need. It's much like the voter fraud. How much more proof do we actually need? So I'm not sure what everybody's waiting for. Um, I think it just should prove to everybody the high levels of corruption that exist and how everybody's got their fingers in the cookie jar on this here too. Which again, just as a quick reminder before I get into some of these jab stories here, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, in her infinite wisdom, Again, not a fan of hers, late to the party, but again, here on Monday, she is uh, at 3 p.m. having some COVID jab injury hearing that apparently will probably be live streamed on YouTube, if not a few other places. Maybe it won't even be live streamed on YouTube. Who, who knows? But we'll see what new information comes out as a result of that. Again, normally it's just a bunch of people saying, we got to get these shots off the market. We got to take them down immediately. This has to be done away with, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then nothing happens. Everybody kind of goes their own way, pats themselves on the back thinking they've done something, and then nothing nothing occurs. So, I don't know. We'll see what, we'll see what comes from that. I'm not holding my breath. Um, all right. A couple of jab-related stories here. This one comes from our Michigan business friend. They texted me this the other day. This is a doozy. This is a certain special level of brainwashing right here, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm sure we've encountered these people before. But they said the following. They said, quote, Clown World. A customer just told me her son is really sick, quote, but he's vaccinated, so it's not COVID. It's probably the flu, said the customer. She went on to say she's going to try Moderna for the next booster because, quote, the Pfizer's work great, but they seem to wear off really fast, so you end up getting sick, unquote. Then she said, the soonest my doctor will let me get the booster is every 90 days. So during the first two months after the jab, I know I'm safe, but the final month I'm protected. So I try to stay home as much as possible, unquote. (laughs) God. It then says, then she asked if I had ever heard of Kroger delivery, quote unquote. Apparently, she's been avoiding the grocery store during the final month because Pfizer quote-unquote wore off, so she's ordering everything online. Uh, My friend here then said, I was wondering if she came up with the it wore off to explain why she's sick every three months or if that's what doctors are telling patients to explain it away plus sell another shot. It's probably both. you know, these, these customers, so to speak, shot recipients, bioweapon recipients, are believing the mainstream stories. I'll never forget those radio ads that said, getting your shots is like charging your cell phone. When your cell phone is depleted, you got to get another shot because then it, you know, gives you more power and more immunity. I mean, what a yarn. What an absolute CIA manipulative yarn that they have woven here. 
that's got individuals actually believing that you can inject yourself into good health and that you need to now do this for the rest of your life, which of course in this particular person's case and their son's case is going to be remarkably short. Now what I did was is I put that post on Gab just to see what response it would get in the comments section, and it got a bunch, um, enough to read here on the show anyway. Here's what some of them said. I'll just read them from top to bottom. They said, one person said, incredible, or I'm sorry, invincible ignorance. Yeah, no doubt. Another person said, insanity. I see it as well. People getting the COVID and flu vax all at once shows how easily people are controlled. Another person said, morons. Another person said, wow, completely frightened into, into stupidity. They said, my son has a couple of women neighbors who won't come out, won't answer the door, have everything delivered, and then waits a long while to make sure it's clear to open the door. To take out the trash, they almost dress in hazmat suits. Gone off the deep end, over the cliff of insanity. He wonders if they die, will anyone know right away? Probably not until the smell of death permeates the area. These are scared, stupid people. It's sad, really. Really, really sad, scary sad. Yeah. Another one with the uh, hand-slapping-the-face emoji. Another one said, it's frightening the deep level of indoctrination, the efficient result of propaganda and school indoctrination. I watched a video last night of a person that had been a Scientology member for a long time, and one wonders, it seems that cult practices had spread, has spread into politics and government without being labeled as such. That's correct. CIA, without a doubt. Mass formation psychosis and the whole thing. It says, with that ingrained way to regard job orders as absolute with no judgments and conscience. Well, guess it is the roots because the people at the very top of everything are secret societies. Main psychopath mode of absolute evil egotistical control while disregarding any and all harm inflicted in the process. Yeah, no doubt. Another person says, sounds like brainwashing is almost complete. Yep. Another comment said, we will look back on this as the much-needed cleansing of the gene pool. It is what I think every time I hear about another sudden death or turbo cancer. I have lost friends and relatives who would not listen to reason. I am more angry than sad. Yep. Another person said, the dumbing down of America. Another person said, why is everyone so afraid to get a cold or a virus? Quote, unquote. I don't want to get sick, but I don't really think worry or think about it. I live my life. And then finally a person said, good grief, I bet Fauci and Bill Gates are even surprised and laughing their asses off. Yeah. They just have no idea they've been tricked. Not a clue. And that right there again, this entire operation really worked on the weak-minded. It truly did. I'll end with this. If by any chance somebody was not believing that there was a depopulation agenda, certainly at play here. This document's kind of been making the rounds over on Gab, rather interesting. Apparently, numerous organizations, in particular these tech groups and many others, have, been, have basically been engaging in incentives for female employees to engage in egg freezing. And offering egg freezing 
ovarian egg freezing up to their employees and incentivizing them in order to do it so that they postpone pregnancy. This, of course, is awful. It starts with Apple. It says in 2014, Apple became one of the first major tech companies to offer egg freezing to its employees. The company covers the cost of the procedure up to $20,000 per employee as part of its fertility benefit program. So they're basically, again, paying for the procedure, or certainly whatever the procedure may or may not cost, but up to a certain limit. The next one is Facebook. Facebook also offers egg freezing to its employees as part of its benefit package. The company covers the cost of the procedure up to $20,000 per employee as well as other fertility treatments. Google is the next one. Offers a similar benefit to its employees covering the cost of egg freezing up to $75,000 per employee. The company also covers other fertility treatments including in vitro fertilization. The tech company Intel. Intel covers $40,000 of in vitro fertilization expenses, including egg freezing for salaried employees and hourly workers. Then there's LinkedIn. LinkedIn offers egg freezing as part of its fertility benefit program, covering the cost up to $10,000 per employee. Then there's Microsoft. Microsoft offers employees $50,000 to egg or sperm freezing. Spotify. In 2019, Spotify began offering egg freezing to its employees, covering the cost up to $10,000 per employee. Then there's Starbucks. Starbucks offers a full and part-time benefit employee who work at least 20 hours a week, a lifetime maximum of $25,000 for fertility services, plus $10,000 for prescription drugs. Then there's Vanguard. Vanguard Vanguard works with uh, Progeny, if I'm saying that right, to offer employees access to smart cycles, quote-unquote, including egg freezing. It's unclear if there's a lifetime maximum. And then at the end of this particular list is Walmart. It says in 2022, Walmart partnered with KindBody, K-I-N-D-B-O-D-Y, to offer fertility benefits, including egg freezing to associates, salaried, full-time hourly, and full-time vision managers after 12 months of employment. There's a $20,000 individual lifetime maximum, unquote. Yes. And this is designed, again, to keep them in the workforce, to encourage them to not get pregnant while they are there. And then if they have trouble later on getting pregnant, well then the company claims that they're going to help them. But are they really? Is that really the plan? It's just beyond gross. Absolutely disgusting. Not to mention, I mean, they're replacing most of them with robots, certainly in Walmart. I mean, they're getting rid of their employees, are they not? And putting in more self-checkout lines where you can't use cash? That's been my experience anyway. Okay. Uh, Just to kind of wrap up here, a few stories to just very quickly revisit, even from earlier in this episode. The the university that took action against student groups that they disagreed with because they were engaging in freedom of speech was Columbia University. I'm sure there are many of them, but that was one of them. What's interesting about it, too, 
is are these universities getting rid of the quote-unquote Jewish groups and the Bolshevik groups that are being supported by the university that are driving these trucks around with the names and faces and phone numbers and addresses of uh, of these you know Palestinian students that happen to be attending their university? Is that something that's happening? Because we're not hearing about that. Certainly not on the Gateway Pundit, which, as we know, is a Zionist organization. And they are all in on the Zionists, no doubt about it. Uh, th- there was also this story, too, from the Gateway Pundit. It was titled, L.A. Charter School Teachers Removed After Teaching First Graders About Genocide in Palestine at School Housed in Synagogue. And they titled it, Sick. Like, sick. Can't believe that, that teachers would be teaching about the genocide that's happening in Gaza. That's disgusting. And they're doing it in a synagogue of all places. What an abomination. What happened to freedom of speech? It's just being eroded. One move at a time. You can't have it if you're a school teacher. You can't, you can't speak out about particular things again if, if it doesn't uh, fit someone else's agenda. If you're not in line with someone else's agenda, forget about it. You're not allowed to talk about it. Again, if there's a silver lining in any of this, it should be how much the enemy is exposing themselves and how entrenched they truly are. And they are everywhere. They're on all sides of the political spectrum. They're in all of these different websites, all of these news outlets, even the so-called freedom outlets that are reporting the truth. Again, Gateway Pundit thinks that Ashley Babbitt's dead. The Gateway Pundit thinks that all these school shootings are real. They're wrong on all of that all of the time. So they're falling for it, and they're probably being paid to fall for it, which right there should tell you who your enemy truly is. That'll wrap it up, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you on Wednesday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.